From WBOI Studios in Fort Wayne, this is the I Am Immigrant, and I am Ahmed Abdelmajid. I am a Palestinian immigrant who has been donning the title of immigrant for the past 24 years of my life. I am interested in conversations around the immigrant experience, a conversation that we seem to be not having or we seem to be not knowing how to have. For this podcast series, I'm hoping that we have conversations with different immigrants about all that it entails to be an immigrant. Hi, everyone. Uh, Ahmed Abdelmajid here. I'm the host and creator of The I in Immigrant. And I'm Katie Anderson, and I help produce The I in Immigrant. And uh, before each episode, Ahmed and I like to reflect on our experiences with our guests and give you a bit of a preview of what's to come. So this week, we're featuring Najla's story, and she is originally from Syria, and we recorded this interview in her home back in early March, and uh, she really just has a fascinating life. Yes, Najla Jarjour. Um, she is actually the... Um... The mother of a friend, uh, someone who I've met through our work together in the Indiana Center for Middle East Peace, uh, Sam Jarjour, he's a local lawyer. His mother is uh, 90 or 91 years old and have lived close to 60 years in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, fascinating story, quirky history things about uh, Fort Wayne, like the uh, Indiana Tech wives club that that to me was uh was such a good little anecdote there one thing i remember is her talking about how difficult it was initially making friends and as an adult making new friends can be hard enough but imagine coming to a brand new country and just not having those built-in social networks yeah and the couple that took them under their wings and treated them as their own children I think that helped a lot in their uh, transition into this new world. It's fascinating too that you know her and her husband are both highly educated and came here for uh, for college education as well and yet with all of that it still needed uh, a little more of a community around them. Uh, to help them feel welcomed and integrate within the community. So with all of that in mind, here is Ahmed's conversation with Najla. Najla, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. We appreciate having you here. When I asked if you would like to be interviewed, you could have said no, but you said yes. So we're glad you said yes, and I want to know why did you agree to be on our podcast? I think it's a contribution. I really do. I think if all ethnic people, they all bring in my book, they all bring a piece of knowledge, of civilization, of customs, and it mixes, and it's a contribution. And um, I consider them, I'm honored really to be interviewed. And um, I'm very happy to do it. Well, thank you. We're very happy that you're doing it as well. Thank yeah. you for joining us. So Ms. Najla, a lot of times we get the question as immigrants of where are you from? So can you share with us where you're from and your story of immigration to the United States? Um, I, I came from a small town. I don't think anybody even in Syria heard about it. <laughs> it's a very small town. It's called Beit Shbat. Beit Shbat. B-E-I-T Shbat. S-H-B-A-T-T. 
And you know, Shabbat means the month of February. Yeah. I don't know why they named it there. Apparently, it started with my great, great, great father. They immigrated in the area. I don't know where they came from. To Syria. To say they came from some place. Okay. I don't know where they came from in Syria. Uh-huh. And they started this little village. I was born there until I was. 14 or 15, they had schools, but they had only grade schools then okay. in that place. It was very small. So I lived there and I grew up until I was 14 or 15. Then I went to American schools in Lebanon. Oh, you went to American in, schools in Lebanon? In Tripoli. Tripoli. In Tripoli, okay. So Tripoli. for high school or middle school and high American, school? They call it uh, American uh, TGS. Tripoli Girls School. Okay. So a boarding school. Methodist. It was boarding. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to learn English and it came in very good, of course. What year was that? That was in the late 40s. In the late 40s. Okay. In the late 40s. I was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mid to late 40s. And then after that, you know, after I finished school, I met my husband. I worked in the IPC. Iraq Petroleum Company. And because I knew English, I went to American school. It was easy to get a job. And I worked there. That's where I met my husband. See, the pipelines came from Iraq through Syria. Mm. From Iraq, Hams. I was living in Hams then, to Banyas. So the American pipelines, they came in Syria. I met my husband, and he had two years college in American schools, Aleppo College. He wanted to study more. We both did. And so anyway, then that's what brought us to the United States. He applied. We came on student visa. Okay. And he came to Indiana Technical College, engineering school. And he finished in four years. They had accelerated courses. Mm Mm-hmm. And there were 60 students from Syria and Lebanon at Indiana Tech here. And what year was that? Around what time? Uh, That's in the late 50s. So in the late 50s, your husband came to Indiana Technical Institute? Yes, Which is Indiana Tech right now. In 1957. Wow. We came exactly in Indiana in um, 57. And he finished school, and one week later... He finished mechanical, he done mechanical engineering. And one week later, he was employed with Jocelyn Stainless Steel here in Fort Wayne. We decided Fort Wayne is a good place for us to live. And I loved Fort Wayne. I loved life here. I really and truly had a very peaceful, just indescribable peace in my heart, in my mind about life here. It was a challenge first in the beginning, getting used, you know. It's a different world, you know. Mm-hmm. And we came from Syria. It's a different, you know, uh, it's different culture. That's all to it, different yeah. culture. And uh, we came from Syria, and uh, it's a different world. But we liked it. It wasn't in Syria. It was very good. It wasn't bad. It was the only school that brought us here. I mean, we had a good life. We had families. People are good. Nothing. It was good, you know. But we just wanted more, a little more, which wasn't available then. 
it's very much available now. Colleges all over, you go mm-hmm. you're there now, all over. Medical schools, you name it. And uh, so anyway, that was the reason we came to the United States. We both liked it. We both wanted to stay. Did you also go to Indiana Tech? or No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. So uh, he, he went to the engineering school. I took some uh, interior decorating. Okay. It wasn't at Indiana for a short period of time. So how was Indiana in the late 50s from a Syrian immigrant perspective? Was there a lot of Arabs? Was there a diversity in the area? How was it? No, Fort Wayne was kind of isolated, really, from different cultures. There were not. There were like second or third generation Mm -hmm. of American Syrians here in Fort Wayne. And we got acquainted through them, with them. There was a club, it was called the Caravan Club, Syrian American. Hmm. Okay. And we joined that club. We joined the club and that way we met a lot of them, you know. But they were, you said, second and third generation Syrians? Oh, yes. So not a lot of immigrants necessarily, but they have that the Syrian... And what brought them to Fort Wayne? From what? Ge- what brought them to Fort Wayne from generations ago? Do you know? Uh, it was, they had very old, the second generation, you know, the yeah. people who were here. They had very old ideas about Syria. Okay. Of course, they came long ago, and it was different. In the early 1900s. All over, okay. all over. Fort Wayne is not the same like when we came. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they were friendly to us, you know, and nice. And we found, you know, a group to belong to, get acquainted, you know, and uh, share what we know, what, you know, how we live and all of that. And after that, really, that church was a big part. First Presbyterian, right away. We joined like a week or two. And that was a nice way, wonderful way to get acquainted with the American life in a nice environment. Mm-hmm. That, that was very important. So First Presbyterian downtown, right? Downtown. The one that's been around for downtown. Very long time, yeah. We have we joined in 57. How is the church compared to the church you grew up in in Syria? Is it a different experience between the two, or it's uh, it's a different world? In, in what way? I'm just interested. In many ways, in the in the way they hold their services, in the social and fellowship after the fellowship is wonderful in a wonderful environment, you know. At First Presbyterian? Yes. Okay, very good. You get to know, we didn't have money, we were students, we hardly made it. And we were not supposed to make money here on student visa. You can't. You can't work. Yeah. Yeah. And so our money was limited and we tried to stretch it to make it. And uh, First Presbyterian was a wonderful way to get acquainted and to have fellowship there because... Well, we couldn't go out and spend money, you know. I mean, we didn't we didn't have money for recreation. We had it for school and to live on. So the fellowship, Ahmed, is mm-hmm. that's what really was, you know, important and a wonderful way to get acquainted with the American way of life. Uh, in Syria, it's one room that church I go to. 
One room. Over here is one room. Okay. Uh, you have little children, you take them with you. They cry, you take, get them out. And when we went first, that was an actually. <laughs> when we went first, we had, you know, Tom was born there, my oldest son. He, he was, was a year old when we came. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we didn't know there was room and I didn't want him to cry in and all of that. So my husband came taking him around in the stroller around the building until the service was over. <laughs> <laughs> and I went in to see what it is. I went and I didn't know what I was going into. It's huge. Hmm. 3,000 members. <laughs> Compared to the small building church that you yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, I mean, one city. room, you yeah. know. <laughs> and then I went and I just didn't know what I was going and or anything. I just went in and sat down. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, after this, then I met one lady and she made defense in our life. Couple, mm. older couple. They understood exactly what we are, what we are going you know, the life changed, and they respected it. And she did say to us, very frankly, she was so frank, she became a second mother, and her husband too, a father, and the children called them grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. And she used to take them to their house, and she treated us like family. They never had children. And she noticed, of course, the minute I got in, she was ambassador. And she'd watch for new people and then teach them about the church. And she noticed, and then her name, Martha Blosser. And the husband, Grandpa, was Frank. And she said, of course, she was acquainted with her. And then she started keeping communication with me constantly, with us, and seeing us and teaching us. And she said, honey, I understand it's a different world for you. You will see a lot of nice people, and people are people, you know. Mm. There's the nice and good and friendly understanding, and there are some people not that way. So she said, if you see any discrimination or people who wouldn't talk to you because we spoke English, that's lucky, because we went to American schools. But our accent was like you are not speaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we spoke the English, the British English. Mm -hmm. That's what we were taught. It was American schools, and we had American teachers from Boston. So anyway, she said, you will experience life here, the good and friendly and discriminating. And there was some discrimination to a certain extent. I mean, I... I tried my best to overlook it. I mean, just to look at the good side. But it was there completely. I mean, people would look at you and say, make a little compliment. Oh, what a nice dress or nice earrings or whatever it is. And that's it, you know. Uh, we wanted to make friends. Uh, you want to meet people and make friends. And some were wonderful. So you feel it was harder to make friends because? It was in the beginning, yes. In the beginning, because of your accent it or was. being too different or foreign? Yes, it was in the beginning. There wasn't much in common you could talk about. I see. See, yeah. I mean, they talk about ATV when I am in a group. <laughs> I joined some group at the church. 
And the Indiana Tech wives, there are 500 wives on the campus they would meet. Really? Yeah, once a month. Huh. 500 Is married that a, students. Is a club? Indiana Tech Wives Indiana, Club? They call it the Tech Wives. <laughs> the Tech Wives. There's, there's a whole we lot used of history. We used to be in the gym. <laughs> okay. At Indiana Tech. Wow. What did they do? Like when, when you met once a month, what did you do? Uh, we arranged for periodical recreation. Okay. Like nobody had money. Many of them were GIs. Okay. You know, yeah, they're yeah. married. Yeah, they took advantage with that. They pay their tuition. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, nobody had money. So we tried like holiday on ice at the Coliseum. Uh-huh. And things like that, you know. There was one married student from Lebanon. And that's it? Hafar, yeah. Muhammad Ali Hafar. Okay. And his wife, Bushra. Uh And we're all living around the campus. It was all students. It was different than now. I mean, I still love the area. I like the area. But it was all student area then. Students rented apartments and expensive. And walking distance, many students didn't have car. We didn't have a car when we first came. And uh, so anyway, the tech wives would arrange some recreation together. like, And they'd give them discount because of okay. the number of the people. So that the church and the tech choirs club, those mm-hmm. helped in getting acclimated to Fort Wayne and getting a little more comfortable living here? Very much. But it seems like that older couple that welcomed you in as children played the major role in your uh, transition to living here, right? Yes. The older couple became parents and guidance. Do you think that if you didn't have them, would your experience have been different in Fort Wayne or in the United States? Uh, With the time, yes, it would have been different. But with the time you learn, I mean, 63 years now, you know. 63 years in, in, in Fort, Fort Wayne, Wayne but in Fort and Wayne. you're 91 years old. And I'm 91. Well, God bless. <laughs> you were saying that with this couple that became as parents to you, I want to talk a little bit about the positive impact they had on you, because if they weren't there, would you have stayed in Fort Wayne? Yes, they made a difference. They made it easier to stay. But the job we got was a good, my husband, and I didn't work. The job he got, really, when he graduated, the second day he went to Detroit. Went to Detroit. We were looking for a job. Uh He had an uncle in Detroit. Okay. And when he was in Detroit, the general manager of Joslin, where he worked, his wife, she came to me to the apartment personally, and she told me, there's a worthwhile job for your husband. Her husband was the general manager mm-hmm. of Charleston. Fry, that's what their name. And my husband was in Detroit. I called him right away to his uncle's house. He was with his uncle looking for a job. And he came right away and he got the job one week after graduation. Yeah. Nice. So, yes, these couples, you ask me, they made big difference. We would have stayed in Fort Wayne anyway. Mm-hmm. But they made the stay easier. A lot, a, a lot, lot easier. They were more guidance, you know, and so sincere in their way. Mm-hmm. Sincere.
I mean, if she told me this is wrong or you should do it this way, I would take it like my mother is telling me that, mm. you know. And they were so sincere and loving and honest and helpful. Uh, in the church, they have groups in the West Central First Presbyterian are the backbone of West Central neighborhood. And they contribute big time. I believe in that strongly. We did some part, you know, when we were able. Right now, I don't, well, it had been years since I could do anything. I believe very much to share with what you, if you have something, share it, say it, you know. I went many times, many times to see my family. I came from a big family. I had five sisters and one brother. Actually, they are all in the United States now, except one sister. She's 95. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, she has two children there, two children here in the United States. One in Connecticut and one in uh, Atlanta. The one in Atlanta, he's a radiologist. Mm -hmm. And the one in Connecticut, he got a PhD in uh, computer robotic and stuff like that from Georgia Tech. Did you feel responsible for new immigrant couples that came to Fort Wayne to help them just like the older couple helped you? Yes. And did you do some of that? We used to when we first came, like Thanksgiving, you know, and Christmas, we didn't know anything, anybody. We didn't know, well, we didn't know people. Uh And so anyway... Uh, my husband used to call the foreign student advisor, Joe Kramer, on the campus. He was the foreign student advisor. He was his advisor. And so anyway, he used to call him and say, send us like three students, ethnic, Syrian, American, uh, Syrian, Japanese, Chinese, whatever. Any immigrant student yeah. or anyone from yeah, outside? Yeah, because of they didn't United have States. homes to mm-hmm. go to. Oh, and so you would welcome them in your home? So we did that, yeah, and it was fun. Nice. It was a lot of fun. I'm sure the kids enjoyed that, too, meeting people from, or when your children were young, they enjoyed meeting people from all over the world? They did. They were young then. Yeah. Very young. But anyway, it felt so good because they came, they are not going home, you know, they came different country. They are alone on the campus, you know. And so anyway, he would call Joe Kramer, the foreign student advisor, and ask him to send us three or four or what. And it was fun. It was so much fun. You need to be a historian for Indiana Tech. You have so much history for them. That well, they I should... am a history artist. <laughs> <laughs> 91, I'm a history <laughs> They need to interview you and get a lot of stories from yeah. the old days. Oh, I lived through it. Oh, you lived uh, through it. Tech Lives Club. I, lived... <laughs> I love that, the Tech yeah. Lives Club. <laughs> so what about your children? How many children do you have? And, you know, what are they doing now? And grandchildren, I'm assuming. Yes, <laughs> I have three sons. Sam is the youngest. He lives here in Fort Wayne. He's married to Paula. And they are just my joy, you know, and I enjoy them so much. My daughter-in-law, she's a gem. I just love her dearly. 
she's open, she's sincere, she loves, you know, so down to earth. And we have wonderful relationship. I'm so grateful for that. And I love her parents, the family she came from. They are open, they are nice. And my son is very compassionate. He really pays attention, Sam, to my uh, needs. And they are always here or I'm at their house, you know. And um, so anyway, he went to Ball State. And then he went to Valparaiso Law School after that. And he's practicing here in Fort Wayne now. And they have three children. They have a daughter, Crystal, and then Gabriel, and Adam. And they are the apple. (laughs) I love them. So anyway, and then I have Paul. Paul lived in Florida, and he was married. Mm -hmm. And he and his wife parted. They have two wonderful daughters, Jackie and Ellie. They are wonderful. And they come often to see their father here. But he moved recently to Fort Wayne. And he does kind of engineering test and balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, commercial, not uh, housing, like hospitals and stuff like that. It's kind of an engineering, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, He tests and balance and put a report in what to be done. So anyway, and uh, he's working here, and I'm living with him now. He bought a house. I'm living with him, and uh, he is so good to me, and, you know, we are good to each other, really. Mm -hmm. But he's good to me, and this way I don't like going out because it had been five years since I drove. And, I, you know, I get out. I get out a lot, and uh, my sons take me. And my son in California, he's married, and they have two sons. And uh, both of them, they live in Northern California, my son and his wife, Raida, and uh, in Chico. It's close to Sacramento. And he went to IU in Bloomington, and uh, Paul went to IU too. So anyway, Tom got a degree in marketing, and now he decided in Chico to open appraisal business. And the appraisal, he can't catch up. You know, he has two licensed appraisers and doing very well. They have two sons. And his wife, she is wonderful too. I used to go every year and spend a month there in the winter. And they have two sons. They are in their 20s. Both went to UCLA and graduated from UCLA, the sons. So all very well-educated and all with good degrees and good paying. Thank God, you know, they are that, and they are good people, too. Of course, I'm their mother, you know. (laughs) A little little biased. (laughs) I see them, you know, human, good human beings. To me, that matters more than anything else in the world, you know, just to be a human, good human, you know. I know Sam personally, and I, I'd mm. say that you've raised a great human being, too. Oh, thank I, I, you. <laughs> I agree. Thank Sam, you. Sam they give of themselves. They give yeah. of their time. Uh, they absolutely And do. Uh, they look at people as people, mm-hmm. not what they do or what, you know. It's how you treat others, you, what you believe in. So can I ask you, with your three sons, mm-hmm. Tom, 
Paul and Sam. Right. Did you, when you were deciding your kids' names, did you intentionally choose English names over Arabic names, or was that not even a thought? Or uh, No, we chose Sam. Really, we thought we named him Sammy. Sammy, okay. But my mother here, my adopted mother, <laughs> told me Sammy is Samuel. Okay. You know, there's, yeah. So, Sammy in Arabic means elevated or someone who's a higher uh, uh, up in Yeah, a, Sammy know. is a common name. It's a common uh, name. So so she yeah. suggested Samuel. Right. Then the official is Samuel, yeah, because there's Sammy is short of Samuel. And uh, Tom, his name was Nazir. Okay. Nazir, you know, he was yeah. born there. And then the, my name, maiden name is Thomas. mm and my adopted mother here in Fort Wayne, Martha Blosser, said when he goes to school, he could have problem with the name. Nazir. In those days, today now. She said it's a good idea to give him a nickname, you know, keep his official name. And so my maiden name is Thomas. She said, why don't you just call him Tom? <laughs> my husband didn't oppose that or anything. So anyway, when... He had to get his citizenship, you know, because he was born in Syria. So when we got it, he, of course, he was a baby. Automatically, he got it. Uh, no, he was like five, six years old. And I asked him, I said, do you want to make your official name Thomas? He said, no, I want to keep it and make Thomas my middle name. So his official name is still Nazih, N-A-Z-I-H, yeah. And Nazih means... Pure, almost. Well, Arabic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a common name, you know. And, so did you... And Paul, we named him Paul. Uh, we chose short name because our last name are long. And so we chose kind of basic, easy names. So you intentionally chose names that are short and easy, but not necessarily Arabic, so that the kids don't feel different or feel bullied at school or something like that? Uh, 50, like 50 years ago, I'm talking about when Tom went to school, he's 63 now, mm-hmm. and he will be 64 soon, so that's 57 years ago. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, children, if somebody has an accent, uh, they wouldn't talk to him much. They didn't know children are children. So we thought it would make, just make it easier for him. Did you feel that you're losing something by your kids not having Arabic names or not knowing Arabic language or the culture that you came from? How did that make you feel? Or was it, no, I'm here and this is part of survival? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just interested in when it comes to your kids and you grew up in Syria with different customs and culture and language. And now with your kids, when you had them 57 years ago, 60 years ago or so, did you feel like you're losing something by them not learning Arabic or they're losing their Arabic identity? Or did you keep it? I'm just interested in learning more about that. Well, what it was like when we came, time changed. Would it be the same now? But when we came, Fort Wayne was isolated. And we felt if they go to school not knowing the language, they will have difficult time. We wanted them to avoid that. Mm-hmm. At home, we spoke to them English. See, there's some parents, when they immigrate, they don't know the language. Mm-hmm. But 
luckily we knew. And so anyway, we thought they need the English, they need the language, you know, when they go to school, so they don't go through a difficult time and bullying and stuff. But the culture, we did teach them, you know, about our background. I love the family I came from. And my husband came from, you know, good families, you know. I mean, nice. They believed in good things. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. They really did. And so we taught them about the culture. I love the culture. I think it's a contribution. And when they grew to be adults, they are much more interested in it as children. And Fort Wayne was isolated, really. There were not many ethnic people. It could be different if we were in New York or Los Angeles or Detroit, you know. But Fort Wayne was isolated from ethnic people, you know, not many. And so at that time, you know, we kind of, at home, of course, our customs and way of life and everything was Arabic, our background. You know, I love it. When they grew up to be adults now, they are all very interested in learning more about our background. Mm -hmm. And they get involved, not only interested, they get very involved. Uh, they like it. They like the ethnicity, the, um, how people, you know, come together, understand each other. And not everybody was born here or not everybody was born in Japan or <laughs> Damascus, yeah. you know, Syria, you know, born different places. And it's wonderful if we could contribute and give to each other. And that's really what they believe in. Now, Tom, my son in California, he contributes big because he's living comfortably in Nishkara. Oh, thank God. Mm -hmm. They are, and uh, he contributes big time to refugees. refugees. Yeah, uh, Sam is very active here in uh, in this area, and uh, they believe strongly. I believe very strongly in justice in the Middle East. You know, and um, I feel, I do feel, Middle Eastern people to a certain extent are discriminated, you know, because they are from there. Because our average person here are trusting. And you get your knowledge from the newspaper or TV or radio. Where are you going to get it from, the average mm -hmm. person? I mean, when I am, you are from different places. You knew more about the area, you know. Mm -hmm. I know more what's going on there. But not everybody is from there. I mean... People are not going to know, you know, except what they read and see. In the... I'm sorry to say many times it's a little negative about them, very much about that the, part the of view the view of the Middle East. About that part of the world, especially mm -hmm. from the Middle East. The media is negative about it. When I read about the newspaper and I see so many good people I knew in my life over there, Never talked about. They made so much big difference. But it's always the negative things that you read and hear about that part of the world. And I'm sorry it's this way. I wish it wasn't. So in the 60 years that you've lived in Fort Wayne, I've heard you a couple of times say times are different or there's change. Can you talk about the change that you've seen in the area over the 60 years? Is it positive, negative? What's your experience been like from when you first stepped foot in Fort Wayne mm -hmm. to now, 60 years later? Mm. 
it's positive in many ways because Fort Wayne is much more open now and diversified. And they understand and they are more accepting, mm-hmm. more accepting. That's important. And in some ways, I feel it's very negative. That is growing in many ways, especially in the political area. And that's what people know, They what they read, what they hear, and they are going to believe in, you know. And I'm sorry, it's not always the truth what you read and hear especially about there, you know. And uh, I feel so sad and sorry, and I speak out, you know. I I want people to hear what I know. So it is true. People, the news over the Middle East, for the Arabic people, you know, about them, it's negative more than it is positive, very is it more so now than it was 60 years ago? I or? think so. You think so? I think it's growing, yes. Growing negatively. Yes. How, how people from the Middle East are portrayed in the media, it's more negative now than it was 60 yes. years ago. Yes. But you think that people in Fort Wayne as a city are a lot more open and acceptant now than 60 years ago. Yes. It's a very interesting dynamic, It's right? a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. It's interesting because when you get to know them and they know you, as a, like I have many friends from my church, you know, from Fort Wayne. John Caslow uh-huh. was a very close friend. Yeah. We had lunches together. And look how understanding she was and believing in the cause of peace and justice in the Middle East. Yeah. And there are a lot of people. Jerry, you know, Michael had been working for it. He started it, he and Joan, and uh, many people, you know, they they are willing to go beyond local and learn more. That's why they are willing, yeah. much more willing to more, more and more people in this area are willing to learn more, you know. So people here, you feel, are more open to conversations and talking about where you're from and your journey, and they want to learn more. More people are. More people are. There are still few or some, you know, Mm -hmm. that they are not interested at all. But more people, by way, more people are more open and willing to hear it. Any regrets over the past 60 years? So I'm I'm assuming you lived till late 20s or 30. In my late 20s, I was 29, I think 28 or 29. Uh, So you've lived a long time in your home country, Syria, and then Lebanon for a period, and now 60 years in Fort Wayne. So any regrets? Anything that you say, I wish I've done this over those 60 years? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Mm. I feel this is the best decision we ever made in our lives. To stay in Fort Wayne. To come and stay, doesn't matter Fort Wayne or what. Mm. I believed Ahmed strongly in the way of life. Not everybody is going to, you know, live it or see it. And you still go through a difficult time, you know, mm-hmm. with a lot of situations. But I believed, I don't know, a certain amount of peace came in my heart. That's the truth. And uh, I loved it. I just yeah. loved it, loved the way, yeah. So when people ask about your identity, 
do you identify yourself as an American Syrian or a Syrian American or just American, just Syrian? Um, I'm asked many times where you came from. Uh-huh. And I am proud and happy to say I came from Syria. That's where I came from. I came from a very small village in Syria. And uh, I almost always joke about it. Nobody heard of it. Not even people who live close. <laughs> Not other Syrians <laughs> didn't hear about it either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, when they ask, I'm proud to say I am. And that's the country I came from, and this is the country I live in now. Mm-hmm. I love both of them. Just some people make it happy and easier for you and make it happen, and some don't. And People are people, and there's no doubt about it. When you immigrate for any reason, uh, you are changing a life, your mm-hmm. life. You know, I mean, you are not changing your life, but living in a different world. It's dramatic. Getting it's... used to it. Uh-huh. You go through the difficult time. Mm-hmm. And you miss your family. In many all the holidays, I cried. You know, I have a big family. They get together, you know. That's it. You know, life, you know, you go through it. You make your decisions. But I don't regret coming. I, lo- I love it. I think there is absolutely no shred of doubt that we made the right decision. I enjoyed the life, the way of life. I, I like it. It was what it was, and mm-hmm. it was good. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, <laughs> but because you're here, you have Sam, and I got to meet Sam and work with him, and through him I got to meet you, so I'm, I'm very glad that you're here. Well, I'm glad you are here, too. <laughs> Ahmed, you contribute so much. You contribute big time, big, big, big time. And thank you for doing this. This is really a little, just a little thing. You do a lot, but this is thank one you. of the, a little thing, you know. I appreciate it. But you do so much, and I know about it, and I read about it, and I see it, and you have wonderful family, and I think you contribute a lot to Fort Wayne. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. That means a lot. What's your key to living such a long life? Well, I love life. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. And little things that count to me, you know, little things, big things are not going to happen anymore in my life. But uh, a little thing they live in. I'm grateful for my family, for my friends. And uh, that's it. You have to take what comes in Tayyip, um, is there anything that you would like to say that we haven't talked about that you would like to share with people who are listening to the podcast? Anything that you want to say to either people who are Americans born and raised here or people who immigrated to the United States as new Americans? Mm-hmm. Do you have something to share with them or you'd like to say to them from your experiences? Yeah. I'd say to them, people are people everywhere. There's the good and maybe not so friendly or accepting. People are people. I mean, in Syria, there we had friends and we had people didn't get along with. You know, people are people. I'd see that. 
And then I'd say one thing, take the best and whatever you don't like. I don't always live it. Mm -hmm. I don't. <laughs> I mean, but I, it's easy to say. But I believe in it. And as I grow to be an old, old woman, <laughs> I believe more in it. Take the best. Whatever you don't like, forget about it. Mm. Yeah. You meet a person, everybody has something to, you know, to give, to offer. Everybody. I don't care who it is. Yeah. So that's one thing I'd say. I mean, live your life, stay yourself. And take, you know, enjoy what you could get, you know, mm. enjoy it. And be understanding, you know. I mean, people are so much individuals. I believe, I believe, that's my belief, that God created us this way. It's more interesting and nice that people are different. And so we have to have this understanding, this I believe deeply in it. You have to have honor and respect every human being, no matter. You have to respect, have respect for that feeling, for that individual. That they have feeling like we do. What we don't want done to us, we don't do it to anybody else. I, I believe in that. B.I. and Immigrant is a production of WBOI Studios in Fort Wayne and was created by Ahmed Abdelmajid. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and keep these conversations going. You can find us on Facebook or visit theianimmigrant.com to see additional content and pictures of this season's guests. Today's episode was produced by me, Katie Anderson, with assistance from Ben Clemmer, John Dawkins edited. Thank you for listening. From WBOI, Fort Wayne.